Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, if you would, go ahead and meet me in your Bibles in John chapter 15 and verse 5. Uh, We're continuing our series we've entitled Moments, and the crux of our messaging throughout this series is going to be the importance and significance of being present to God and present to people. Like, that's where we experience the fullest, uh, most flourishing kind of life. And one of the resources that we've used for this series, along uh, with a number of other things, is uh, the John Mark Comer book, uh, the, the John Mark Comer book, the ruthless elimination of hurry. And so I want to encourage you to pick that up. Um, As a matter of fact, some of the ideas that I'm going to talk to you about today, uh, they are sourced from that book. And so it's just been an incredible resource uh, for us. And we want to uh, orient it and, uh, and kind of expand it for the sake of our purposes here at our church as we look at scripture and look at walking with God together. And so when you've got John chapter 15, verse 5, would you do me a favor and make my soul happy by just shouting, I got it. It reads this way. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. The very words of scripture. Amen. This summer, one of my good friends moved to San Diego, and uh, as any good friend would do, I invited myself to stay at his casita over the summer so that he would feel as though he hadn't lost all of the community that he had here in Chicago. That's just what uh, any good friend would do, right? Come uh, and spend some time with their friend in San Diego. Uh, just so they can feel that we are, uh, we are still loving on them, uh, and, and at the same time, we get to go to the beach, right? Well, anyways, time passes, and uh, the pandemic has really hit in certain areas, and my wife and I said to ourselves, you know what, it's probably not wise for us or safe, loving our neighbor as ourselves, to jump on a plane and head out to California right now, but we still need to get some time away to emotionally kind of unwind and uh, to, uh, to rest. And so I was talking with my friends, and as we decided this thing is not going to work to go to California, I said, you know what, I'll just put my achiever cap on because that's what I am, that's what I do. Uh, And so I I began to do some reconnaissance and chat with some friends, and they said, oh, Steve, I I said, listen, I've got to go somewhere in driving distance, and it has to be off the chain. And so they said, Steve, say no more, fam. Go up to Traverse City, Michigan. You guys will love it. Awesome food. There's a beach, the beautiful peninsula that goes up into wineries. And I said, wineries? Okay, 
Kristen has not been to Napa Valley. And so this will be just like we've gone to Napa Valley. And, and so I'm excited. I began to put the plan together and we drive up to Traverse City. Um, and you, you have to keep in mind, though, that we live in Chicago, right? So the reality hasn't struck me yet that whenever you travel outside of Chicago, which is the food capital of the world, uh, or at least of the United States, the food is never going to be as good. And so I, I'm excited. I, I, I had San Diego in my mind. And so I said, first day we get there, let, honey, let's go to the beach. And so we walk out to, to the beach and, 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 and I, I look around. I'm looking at the map on my GPS and I'm saying to myself, this says that there's a beach here, but this is just a, a plot of sand next to the water. This isn't what I thought it would be. This isn't a beach. This is just a little plot of sand. And so I say, you know what? I didn't even come here for the beach. I didn't, I didn't come here for the food. I came here for the wineries because I wanted to show my wife what it was like in Napa Valley. And so we go up to the peninsula and we, we get up there and I'm looking around and I say to myself, y'all, this ain't Napa Valley. And somebody, my, my Western Michigan friends right now are saying, Pastor Steve, show is throwing shade at Western Michigan right now. I, I don't understand why he's so frustrated with Western Michigan. No, I, I'll tell you, Western Michigan is beautiful. I just had San Diego in my mind. And it wasn't San Diego. That's neither here nor there. We, we, we get to the wineries and, uh, and you look out at these different wineries and you see uh, the, these, these vines and grapes that are spread out as far as the eye can see. And, and we got down close to some of the, the wineries and, and walked through some of uh, the fields there and, and I realized something. I saw something that I hadn't seen before. What I saw was that there was a structure holding up the vines and the grapes so that the vines and the grapes weren't growing on the ground. This structure is known as a trellis. And a trellis is designed so that these vines can grow and bear better and more fruit. In that same way, God has given you and I a structure, just as he gives the, the structure to the vines and the grapes so that they can bear more and better fruit. God has given you and I a structure to help facilitate what he calls abiding, that we might bear more and better fruit in our lives. And this structure is known as the spiritual disciplines. That is the structure that God has given you and me as the trellis of our lives so that you and I can bear more and better spiritual fruit. If there was a big idea to this message today, it would be that our ability to be present to God and present to people in the moment is dependent upon us structuring our lives around spiritual disciplines. Let me say that one more time. 
our ability to be present to God and present to people in the moment is dependent on us structuring our lives around spiritual disciplines. This morning, we're going to look at spiritual disciplines, what they are, how they play out in our lives. And and I want to preach from the subject, moments that make the difference. Moments that make the difference. In in order to do that, I want to give us a table of contents so that we can kind of see where we're going and where we've been. Uh, And these are our three points for our message this morning. It is, what is a spiritual discipline? Our view of God and structuring our lives. What is a spiritual discipline? Our view of God and structuring our lives. I want to preach from the subject, Moments that make the difference. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and kindness, for the opportunity uh, to gather together, even virtually. And now I pray that as uh, we have opened up your word, God, that you would illuminate it to our hearts and to our minds. Holy Spirit, it is to that end that I am available to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So last week, we talked about how all of us long to experience what Jesus called life and life to the full. And, and when we get tired and, uh, and, and he calls us to come to him and learn from him for his burden is light and his yoke is easy, we want that experience. And, and if there ever was a time in human history where we realize we need Jesus's offer of peace and rest we know we need it now and we said last week that we're created uh, we've created a pace in our lives where we don't have time to slow down and to be present to God and present to people and in turn what ends up happening is the fast pace of our lives uh, is it what, what what happens in the midst of the fast pace of our lives is that our goals become the things that we build our lives upon and then in that way God is just a means to accomplish our goals in other words we come to God to get a blessing or his stamp of approval on the things that we actually worship and even if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I, I would say to you that there are things in your life that you build your life upon to bring lasting satisfaction, comfort, joy, and peace. And in Christianity, we call that worship. And, and, and in light of that, we, we miss out on the reality that God is an end in himself, that you and I were created to enjoy God. He's the place of peace. He's the place of joy. He's the place of satisfaction. So when we talk about spiritual disciplines this morning, we're talking about practices that help us experience God. They're, they're, they're not an end in themselves, but they are a means to experiencing that end. They are practices that help us slow down to be present to God and present to people. The preeminent spiritual formation author uh, of the 20th century was a guy named Dallas Willard. He was a philosopher, uh, and he defined spiritual disciplines this way. The disciplines are activities of mind and body purposefully undertaken to bring our personality and total being 
into effective cooperation with the divine order. They enable us more and more to live in a power that is, strictly speaking, beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself. They enable us more and more to live in a power that is, strictly speaking, beyond us, deriving from the spiritual realm itself. To say it another way, these things give us access to a power beyond ourselves. John Mark Comer, who, who writes the book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, he says this about spiritual disciplines. He says, a rule is a schedule and set of practices to order your life around the way of Jesus in community. It was a way to keep from getting sucked into the hurry, busyness, noise, and distraction of regular life, a way to slow down, a way to live into what really matters, what Jesus called abiding. And, and somebody, you, you heard me use the word rule, and you said, I, you said to yourself, see, I knew the preacher was going to say that Christianity is a bunch of rules, but no, that, that's not what John Mark Comer is saying, and it's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying and what he's saying is that spiritual disciplines are the structure. They are the trellis through which we slow down and experience abiding in Christ. You see, prayer, scripture reading, meditation, slowing, silence and solitude, Sabbath, simplicity, all of these things are a means for us to slow down and experience the presence of God. We'll talk about each of these in the coming weeks as we look to unpack what they are and how to practice them. And so we looked at what a spiritual discipline is, and we said a spiritual discipline is a structure that is given to us in a way that helps us practice the presence of God or to experience the presence of God. They are practices and disciplines that allow us to experience the presence of God. They're not an end in themselves. They are a means to that end. Now, let's look at our view of God. If we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we hear the word spiritual disciplines and we think, boring. Uh, based on your personality, you, you probably have a positive view of some of those spiritual disciplines and a negative view of others. For the extrovert, if all of the practices of Christianity was Thanksgiving dinner, for you, uh, silence and solitude are the Brussels sprouts of Christianity. Like if they were all, if, 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 if spiritual disciplines were, uh, if spiritual disciplines were Thanksgiving dinner, you would say silence and solitude, that sounds like Brussels sprouts. And not even the good kind of Brussels sprouts that are fresh and they're seasoned with cracked pepper and olive oil. No, these are the canned Brussels sprouts that taste like somebody shouldn't even eat them, right? And, 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 and if I were to look at my own personality, I'm not the most talkative person uh, in the world by nature, but I get energy from being around people. So by definition, that makes me more of an extroverted person. And I remember when I was a new follower of Jesus and I was living with my mentor and his family, and uh, he was busy one day, had a lot going on with the kids. They had three or four kids at the time. Now they have, they have five. But I, I wanted his attention. I wanted to hang out and kick it with him. And he really needed to be a dad in that moment. And uh, I remember he said to, to me, 
why don't you go down the street uh, to the park uh, and just sit and be with God? Come back in an hour and we can kick it. And I thought to myself, Brussels sprouts. I thought to myself, me alone by myself? No, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really interested in that. And the interesting thing is that as I've gotten older and life has come at me as uh, as I, I've needed time to process the traumas of my life, the emotions I feel and why I feel them, going to the park to be with God sounds like something that's good for my soul. Something that forces me to slow down, to be present to the moment within myself. And I think we hear the word spiritual discipline and, and, and we don't get excited. Well, for one, uh, one, one thing, it's, it, there's the word discipline in the two words, right? That's one of the words is discipline, and we don't like that. But the other reason is because we have a wrong view of God. So often because of the complexity of our hearts and because of the nature of our minds, we view the spiritual disciplines as a way to appease God. Like, if I do this for God, if I pray enough, if I give enough, if I, uh, if I spend enough time journaling, if I spend enough time doing things that are, uh, that are spiritual, he will be in my debt. Or if I do this for God, then I can see myself as more spiritual than other people, and therefore I'll merit God's favor because of my own righteousness or my own holiness and hear me say you would never say that out loud and yet so often that's the inclination of our hearts if I prayed a lot this week God's got to answer my prayers You see, because of how we've experienced other human relationships throughout our lives, we expect God to operate in a transactional way because that's all we know are transactional relationships. You do this for me, and then I do this for you. Or because the relationships we've experienced have always been conditional, then we believe that God only approves of us based on our ability to keep the rules or our tenacity to practice the spiritual disciplines. So if we have a bad week, we say to ourselves, I I've got to get back on the horse and I I've got to get back to my devotional or I I'm, I'm going to go fast. I'm going to fast for lunch. I'm not going to eat. I'm just going to I'm just going to sit there and pray and uh, not so that I can spend time with God. I'm not going to do those things so that I can spend time with God, but so that I can appease God so that I can get back into God's good graces. So the disciplines become a means for us to prove and reprove ourselves to God because everybody knows that relationships are conditional. And hear me this morning. If you approach God from the 
place of transactional or conditional relationships. That's not the gospel. If you approach God from the space of conditional or transactional relationships, you will inherently miss the love of God. And if you miss the love of God, you will miss God altogether. If you miss the love of God, you will miss God all together. It wasn't your sin that sent Jesus uh, to die on the cross. It was God's love that sent Jesus to die on the cross. And in that way, through his love, he paid the debt for sin. So Jesus doesn't love you because he died on the cross. He loves you so he died on the cross. And somebody, you need to just get that in your spirit right now. And it sounds like those things are closely related, but notice the distinction. God doesn't love you because he died on the cross. God loves you so he died on the cross. God is not only omniscient, uh, he is not only all-knowing. He is not only all-powerful. He is not only uh, everywhere at once, but he is the God that loved you and his love motivated him to send his son so that he could experience intimacy with you. And so often, because we know conditional and transactional relationships, we try to take those kinds of relationships and apply them to our relationship with God. And God said, no, that's not the way I love. God says, no, that's not the way, that's not the way that I operate. The gospel message to you and I is that we can't do anything to earn God's love. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's not a conditional love. It's not a transactional love. It is a grace-based love, and the disciplines allow you to dwell more and more and more into that love. Hear the words of Paul say in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17 through 19, his prayer for the Ephesians. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And Jesus is saying in John 15, Come abide in that love. Come sit there at that love. Come slow your life down to saturate your soul in that love.
Come and learn from me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we've looked at what the spiritual disciplines are. They, they are practices that are, are structures that we build our lives around so that we can experience intimacy with God. They are a means to the end of experiencing God. They're not something that we do to earn favor with God. They're not something that we do uh, to, to, to put God on the hook. They are strictly a means for us to slow down our lives, to be present to God and present to people. We looked at how so often because of our understanding of relationships being transactional or conditional that we miss out on God's love and in turn miss out on the purpose of the spiritual disciplines. And yet when we get the reality of the spiritual disciplines and under, understanding that our God is holy and transcendent and yet he's imminent and everywhere present and wants to be intimate with us and connected with us in communion with us all on the basis of grace then it creates in us a desire to structure our lives around spending time getting to know him and structuring our lives around being present to him and present to people. And as we round third and head for home, we'll look at structuring our lives. So we've discussed how spiritual disciplines aren't an end in themselves, but they, they are a way for us to structure our lives around what really matters. They, they are a means for us to experience and practice what we are saved for, which is intimacy with God. And so when you look at the ministry of Jesus, you notice uh, that, that he is never in a rush. He's never in a hurry. He, he's never in a frantic frenzy. It, it is not that Jesus wasn't busy or that he wasn't wasn't living a full life. He had a very full life, but Jesus's life was filled with things that matter. I love what John Mark Homer says about how we structure our lives around things that matter. He says, if a vine doesn't have a trellis, it will die. And if your life with Jesus doesn't have some kind of structure to facilitate health and growth, it will wither away. So how many of us can say with great honesty that our lives are structured around things that matter, at least things that matter according to God? Or are we just in a constant hurry trying to manage all the things? You see, we, we need, as John Mark Comer says, we need a rule of life. We need a structure to our lives that's built around things that really matter. And we can't do that in our own strength. And yet the beauty of the gospel storyline is that we don't have to. The beauty of the gospel is that Jesus structured his life around being present to the Father and being present to people. The beauty uh, of the gospel is that Jesus was never in a hurry and he never wasted, wasted time on things that didn't matter. And even though we've structured our lives around things that don't matter and even though we don't like disciplines and even though we often view God and the spiritual disciplines through the lens of transactional and conditional relationships, 
relationships. It's because Jesus never did any of those things. And because he died in our place and for our sins that through faith in him as the grace of God that we, that we are now empowered and enabled to structure our lives around things that matter. And even in turn of that, not because we have to, but because it's for our joy we get to. So here I am. Hopefully I've said something that pressed upon your soul this morning. I'm pulling up to your neighborhood And I want to just give you a note. The spiritual disciplines are practices. They're disciplines. Which means when you leave this moment today, tomorrow they're not going to be easy to all of a sudden practice 20 minutes of silence. To all of a sudden practice 20 minutes of prayer without feeling distracted and feeling some kind of shame. And yet the win for you and me is not to get it perfect. The win for you and me is to keep going, to keep practicing, to keep disciplining ourselves to put ourselves in the space to be present to God and present to people. Structuring your life around spiritual disciplines doesn't mean that it has to be done uh, the same way or, that, 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 or at the same time every day, but, but it does mean that regardless of whether or not, and I know I'm talking to that person who says, man, I got up at 6 o'clock in the morning, but my kids ran in, and I don't have any time to do a quiet time or, or a devotional or pray. I haven't had any time to do anything. I can't even play a worship song on my Spotify right now. I've got stuff to do, Steve. I'm talking to that person right now. It doesn't have to be done at the same time in the same way. But what it does mean is that these things are a priority for your life. They take precedence over other things. They take precedence over other things that don't matter as much. It means that, that these things are more important than the things that are causing me to hurry. And so for the person who says, I don't have time, the structuring of your life needs to change so that you do. It may not be the same time, the same way every day, but it has to take priority in the budget of the time of your life. When you start this, and even in different seasons of your life, we're, we're, we're going to feel like, uh, it's, it's going to feel like you wasted your time. It's gonna, it's gonna feel, uh, it's gonna feel like, uh, like, like something is 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 off, and I just spent twenty minutes or thirty minutes doing absolutely nothing. And yet, over the course of time, 
it begins to take more and more of our attention, more and more of our tuning into our souls, and it becomes second nature, and we recognize the value of it. Now, you, you start this, and even in the different seasons of your life, you're going to feel like, uh, like you, you wasted time. You, you're going to feel like uh, there, there are things that you, you could be doing, and, and you have to give yourself some grace. Start slowly and work yourself up from there. You and I have a real enemy. This is the reality. Sometimes we look at the horror movies, and I know it's getting ready to be Halloween. We look at the horror movies, and we think that that's the only way that our spiritual enemy functions. You know what most of the ways our spiritual enemy functions? In a way that we haven't already thought of. And one of the ways he's doing that to this generation is through distraction. And so you have to fight for that time to be present to God and present to people. It has to take priority. Tomorrow morning, before you pick up your phone, before you check your email, before you look at social media, before you check the news, take a moment to be present to God. Read a psalm. Read a devotional if your kids haven't quite run into the room yet. Play a worship song. Let that practice start your day. When you get a free moment, maybe you're driving your car, maybe you're on the train, maybe uh, you're in the grocery store. When, when, when you go for a walk, maybe instead of turning on the radio or a podcast, just listen to yourself. Think and pray. Just be. When you get home from work or, or you get done from working from home after you put the kids down, instead of maxing some new Netflix series all night, sit with your spouse or with your roommate and have a conversation and maybe just maybe over some grapes that have been on the trellis for quite some time. Maybe instead of working through your favorite online shopping store or getting into a political feud on Facebook, you read something. Maybe you read the scripture. Maybe you read a book. Maybe you do research on the local political candidates you're getting ready to vote for. Maybe you just put your phone away and rest. Maybe you just go to sleep so that tomorrow morning you have time to get up, structuring your life around those disciplines so that you can spend time to be with God. Jesus says, abide in me, and I in you, and you will bear much fruit. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and kindness. God, would you help us in the moments where we feel distracted, in the moments where we feel rushed, to sit at your feet, and listen to what you have to say. I pray for that person who doesn't know you right now. Maybe their first thought of how to do this, and maybe they're thinking to themselves that this doesn't apply to me. God, I pray that their prayer to you, even if they have never prayed, is just to sit and say to you out loud, God, if you're real, would you reveal yourself to me? God, would you help us to be present to you and present to people 
so that we can experience life and life to the full that's only available to, you, to, to us through your presence. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. God bless you. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.